Hello, happy Monday, and welcome to the Newsmax Daily for January 15th, 2024, the third Monday of the new year, MLK Day in the U.S. of A., and Caucus Day in Iowa. Martin Luther King Jr. Day is a federal holiday marking the birthday of the civil rights icon born on this day in 1929. All federal officers are closed. There is no mail delivery. Banks are closed. The U.S. stock markets are closed. Most schools and many businesses are also closed. If you're doing business, FedEx says it's operating a modified schedule. UPS has no pickup or delivery services today. Many MLK Day parades and events have been canceled due to the brutal weather. We do have more playoff football today with the Bills hosting the Steelers, where the weather will be extremely brutal, and Tampa Bay hosting Philadelphia tonight, where the weather will be perfect. After my Dolphins, the Cowboys, Browns, and Rams all lost over the weekend. I hope you had a fantastic weekend doing whatever it is you love to do and navigated safely through the horrendous, brutally cold weather, which is continuing in many areas of the country today. Be careful out there for sure. Hopefully you have the holiday off and you can stay home again today. Unless you live in Iowa, where the temperature is still below zero. There was a lot of snow there as well, ahead of the long-awaited, highly anticipated Iowa caucuses. You're going to be first in the nation. So brave the weather and go out and save America, because that's what you're doing. This is really about saving our country. Remember, your caucus location is often different from where you normally vote. So you can find all of the information you need at ia.com. Donald J. Trump, whoever that may be, dot com, okay? And with your vote, we're going to defeat crooked Joe Biden. We're going to take back our country. We're going to make America great again. Former President Donald Trump making one last push in Iowa on Sunday. But starting on my first day back to the Oval Office, I will end Joe Biden's inflation nightmare, rescue our economy, and we will do one thing that's going to work very quickly and fast. Drill, baby, drill. We're going to drill, baby, drill. And also on day one, I will seal the border and I will shut down the invasion of our country. It's an invasion. This isn't a normal situation. This is an invasion. Three years ago, we had the most secure border in U.S. history by far. We built 561 miles of border wall. You know, if there's a little piece, if there's a nail from a wall that was there 75 years ago, a little bit of a nail left from the rust, or if there's a two by four that's rotted out laying on the ground someplace, they say, that's not a border wall. That's, that's a renovation. No, it's not a renovation. It was, uh, you'd see little areas where you'd have some dead wood rotting on the ground for 40 years. We built over 500 miles, much more than I said I was going to do. And then we had an additional 200 miles that we were getting ready to put up. We could have done it in three weeks. He could have done it. And they decided not to do it. And it was a terrible thing because 
our border is a mess, but they actually wanted open borders. That was the amazing thing. Donald Trump at the Commit to Caucus rally in Iowa ahead of today's first in the nation caucuses officially kicking off the 2024 presidential primary race. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who spent the most time in Iowa visiting all 99 counties on multiple occasions, is countering many of Trump's claims now in his final rally. This was in Council Bluffs, Iowa last night. And here's the thing. If he had built the wall, there would be no way that Biden would have been able to bring in 8 million people. That's the whole purpose of a wall, that it's a physical fact of life, that even if you have an open borders president, that it would stop people from just coming in. And so he had four years to do it, um, you know, didn't get it done and really didn't even come close to getting it done. And then also he did things like, but, but he's promising the same thing now. Uh, to now going forward. He also said he'd have the largest deportation in history. Uh, he deported less illegal aliens than Barack Obama did in Obama's first term. That is just a fact. And so now he's promising the biggest deportation in history, just like he did in 2016, but he didn't do it the first time. And he, he's promising to do something about this birthright citizenship. Uh, you know, I think it's wrong. If someone comes across the border illegally and has a, has a baby, to all of a sudden say that's citizenship, that is not what the Constitution was envisioned to do. So, so I, I oppose having that, and I will change that policy. Well, he promised to do that in 2016. All he had to do was sign an executive order. And look, it would have been litigated in the courts for sure, but he had to sign an executive order. That's what he promised to do. Literally would have taken him two minutes to go sit behind the desk, get the sheet of paper, review it, put your John Hancock on it and do it. And he had four years and he didn't even sign that executive order. So to me, that's a problem because if you promise you're going to do something, you should do it. But what's worse is he's now running in 2024 promising that if he can get elected, he's going to sign an executive order on birthright citizenship, which he could have done for his first four years. So, you know, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Nikki Haley, who has moved into second place in most of the recent Iowa polling, continued her message of Trump chaos and also encouraged voters to brave the cold. We can't be a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. And I think a lot of that is how he communicates and what happens. It just sets us all in disarray. Make sure that you go and make a difference. Iowa sets the tone for where the country goes when it comes to these elections. There are no foregone conclusions. While Haley and DeSantis have battled back and forth in polling for second place, Donald Trump remains the clear front runner, with the most recent Des Moines Register NBC News poll giving Trump a 28-point lead over Haley. This is what voters are saying. We walked through broken glass to see Trump. The weather doesn't matter. Saving America is what matters. And this is Arizona Senate candidate Kerry Lake, a native Iowan, on Saturday Report with Rita Cosby. The people of this state love President Trump. They really do. They know what he did for them during his four years as president. In three years, he brought this state 22,000, more than 22,000 new jobs, more than half of them in manufacturing. Conversely, you know, Biden lost this state a couple thousand jobs. So they know that he helped make ethanol a year-round fuel, and, and actually it was helpful in making us energy independent. They know that he had the courage, the spine, to take on the CCP in China, which was doing so much damage to the Iowa uh, economy, and, and he had the courage to take them on. He got rid of the estate tax that was preventing family farms from staying in the family. 
He's done so much for this beautiful state. And, and there's a relationship and a love that Iowa has with President Trump. He doesn't have to hit every 99 county. And besides, with all the witch hunts they're throwing at him in four different jurisdictions, the people of this state understand that uh, the election interference at a national level is really high with President Trump. And that's why we've got surrogates here, such as myself and many others, who are happy, more than happy, to stand up and speak out for our favorite president, just like the folks on caucus night will be doing. They stand up and they give their stump speech for their favorite president, President Donald Trump. And Carrie, you know, you look at some of the latest polls, you know the numbers all too well. You know, he has a really impressive lead right now. There it is, 52.2%. <laughs> I know, look at that. Uh, ahead of Nikki Haley, as you can see at this one, 18.4%. Uh, for the other ones, you see DeSantis there, you see Ramaswamy, of course, Chris Christie dropped out. Um, but some of his voters, of course, may go to Haley, who knows where they go. How do you see this going for some of the other candidates? How much of a do or die is it really for a Nikki Haley or a DeSantis uh, to exceed expectations for them? Well, I think the greatest victory we've ever seen historically in Iowa since 1972 in the caucus when there's been a crowded field is a 12 point victory. I think President Trump will surpass that, you know, but we can't go out and act like it's going to be a blowout and we don't show up. So I, that's one thing I worry about. We've got to get out there. Iowa, you've got to get out there and show up. Just assume it's a one-point victory and get out there and show up. I think the surprise could be that Vivek Ramaswamy might actually do better than one of these others. Perhaps he comes in third place over DeSantis. Who knows? I mean, that's where I think a surprise might be in, in the position of second, third, fourth, and so on. And so, uh, but, but the real polling that I'm looking at is in the general election. And Haley and DeSantis cannot beat Joe Biden. Can you imagine that? They can't beat Joe Biden in the polling. And there is one man who can, and that is Donald J. Trump. And we know that Donald J. Trump can do the job because he did it well. And that we've got to keep the eye on the prize, which is getting President Trump back in the White House, turning this nightmare around that Joe Biden and his uh, corrupt cronies in D.C. have gotten us into and making America and Iowa great again. That's Carrie Lake on Newsmax's Saturday Report. And last night, Florida Senator and former presidential candidate Little Marco Rubio took to X to give his endorsement to Donald Trump ahead of the Iowa caucuses. A caucus is a lot different than what most of us are used to. Voters give and listen to speeches about candidates and then cast their votes. In most states, voters will be going to polling places throughout Election Day and casting votes or mailing in our votes for the Republican caucus, there is no remote option. The voters must show up in person at their designated precinct, which Trump mentioned can be different than their actual voting precinct, at a preset time. And it can often exclude people who do really want to attend but have things like child care, work schedules, or in today's case, severe weather and snow preventing them from getting there at that preset time. And there is a new CBS News poll today that shows not only is Donald Trump increasing his lead on President Biden, but that Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis are also beating President Biden in a proposed head-to-head -head matchup as Biden's poll numbers continue to slide.
The president is headed back to Pennsylvania today to participate in a Martin Luther King Jr. Day event at a Philadelphia hunger relief organization. This is something that he's done every year of his presidency. Back on Friday, after the United States and Britain fired on the Houthi rebels, President Biden was in Allentown, Pennsylvania, visiting small businesses. This is Greg Kelly, host of Greg Kelly Reports on Newsmax. Well, look, we're going to get a chance to talk, apparently, uh, after the fire station. So rather than, uh, by the way, anybody want a coffee? It's not me. You take the smoothie? Well, they're six bucks, but I'll do it anyway. Someone's got to tell him he's not funny. No more jokes, okay? The only laugh because it's the nervous, they're nervous and it seems polite. Um, and then he moved in on some young girl's space. It's amazing the president of the United States doesn't know how to behave. You see the girl, blonde hair, right? Oh, what are you doing there? doesn't matter if he's the president. Anybody. You got too close to her, Joe. Leave her alone. Uh, there was more mumbling about uh, stuff. Are we in the back of the proxy war later on? Say again? Are we in the back of the proxy war? No. Iran does not want to war with us. He is really intent on soaking in the moment of that coffee shop. One more. I think they are. Yes. One of the very, I don't think there's any civilian casualties. That's another reason why it's a success. The Biden administration actually officially decertified the Houthis as a terrorist group in 2021. Okay. All right. On to the fire station. The fire station. He's going to set everything straight with the firefighters. What happened? And the last thing is, one of the things that's going to have an impact is, and I know it doesn't matter to you guys, I'm being facetious, I shouldn't be kidding like that, but when you want to call and check the balance on your account, you get charged 30 bucks. Is that fair? Is that fair? These junk fees? You're going to go home for, for Easter, or you're going to go home for Christmas, you're going to go home for the holidays with your kid. And you find out to get your kids sitting next to you, it's going to cost you another 200 bucks. These are junk fees. And guess what? We're getting rid of them. He's really in touch with how we live, huh? <laughs> $30 to check your balance. This is what he does. Tries to connect, but he can't connect. He gets it all wrong. He, stories from long ago combined with stuff he think he may have heard. And just, it's a mess. It's a mess. Now, again, there's a reason why he doesn't really want to talk about what happened over there. The left, they're incensed. They don't like uh, the military. They don't like taking on the terrorists. Remember, a lot of them are on the side of the terrorists. They're, they're rooting for Hamas and maybe even the Houthis. Who knows? You know, the big message from this administration is we don't want any trouble, right? That's, that is the strategic endgame, which is not a strategic endgame, but... We don't want any trouble. That's so lame, isn't it? That's Greg Kelly. And overnight today, this morning, a U.S. Navy ship fired on Houthi rebels again. Rebels who launched a drone attack on a U.S. ship in the Red Sea. We're not looking for conflict with Iran. We're not looking to escalate. And there's no reason for it to, to escalate beyond what happened last uh, over the last few days by the Houthis. They are the ones that have been escalating. Uh, we, we, we don't, we're not looking for conflict with Iran. I found leaders who are determined to prevent the conflict that we're facing now from spreading, um, doing everything possible to deter escalation. 
uh, to prevent a widening uh, of the conflict. It's like they're um, shop owners from 100 years ago and they're afraid of the mafia, right? Just whatever it takes, whatever it takes, here's our money, just leave us alone, leave us alone. Um, and this is, look, they're getting the direction from the top, Joe Biden. He doesn't want any trouble anywhere because, well, I think he's compromised. But anyway, this is our foreign policy now. I made it real clear to Xi Jinping that uh, we're going to compete fully with China but we're not going to look we're not looking for conflict. I made it clear to him again when I've told him in person on several occasions that we're not looking for confrontation. See, if you tell everybody your end game is no conflict, that's uh, that's not a very powerful position. We've got a big army every now and then you got to threaten. Hey, don't make us too mad or we're not that conflict averse. Just my opinion. I could be radically wrong, but I don't think so. Remember when we took out Soleimani? He was one of the top terrorists in the world. Uh, he's an Iranian general. And this, at the moment he walked into Iraq, the airport, we had him tracked and Donald Trump ordered him dead. And that was good. Last night, at my direction, the United States military executed a flawless strike that terminated the terrorist ringleader responsible for gravely wounding and murdering thousands and thousands of people and hundreds and hundreds, at least, of Americans. That's the way it's done. That's the way it's done. And of course, when Donald Trump takes out one of the worst terrorists in the world, Democrats say that's irresponsible. How could he do such a thing? Literally. Retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel Greg Kelly, host of Greg Kelly Reports, 9 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. Meanwhile, the top dog, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, will remain front and center this week in Washington. This after the whole thing where he went into the hospital without telling anybody. And now we know he's being treated for prostate cancer. We get more from this weekend's America Right Now with Tom Basile. We now know that late last month, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin underwent surgery for prostate cancer, surgery that had complications that incapacitated him to the point where he was unable to lead the largest and most powerful armed forces in the world. That's not the problem. That's life. Things happen. The problem was that he didn't tell his boss, the president of the United States, the National Security Council, or even key members of his own staff about his condition. The acting secretary of defense was notified via email that the powers of the office were transferred to her while she was on vacation in Puerto Rico. There can be only one reason for this dangerous breach of protocol, chain of command, and deception, the continued spreading of Potomac fever within the beleaguered Biden administration. The White House now says that it will review protocols for such a situation. It is not optimal, Gabe. Uh, it is uh, for a situation like this uh, to go as long as it did without the commander in chief knowing about it or the national security advisor knowing about it or, or, or frankly uh, other leaders at, at the department of defense that's not the way this is supposed to happen kind of the understatement of the year there's nothing to review and they know it you know on my first day in washington during the transition period following the 2000 election Former Transportation Secretary and incoming White House Chief of Staff Andy Card spoke to the Bush administration appointees in waiting. His message was very simple. First, service wasn't about you. 
It was about serving the president, the institutions of our government, which are bigger than any one person, and the people of the United States. And second, no one is indispensable. And if at some point you forget either of those perspectives, then it's time for you to leave, he said. The condition Potomac fever presents as staffers and appointees ignoring those standards and losing touch with their sworn obligations, often for their own selfish purposes. When you serve as a member of the president's cabinet, as a presidential appointee or White House official, your life is not your own. In those few years that you hold that public trust, you work for the people of the United States and you serve at the pleasure of the president. What that means is very simple. It doesn't require a flow chart, a matrix, or a lengthy rule book. You don't get to have surgeries without telling anyone. You are a public figure that serves the public, and there are limits to your own freedom and privacy as a result of your larger duty to the nation. The spread of Potomac fever can be linked to another truism in government, and that's that the fish rots from the head. You know, one of the biggest problems with having a president like Biden, who's been either lounging at his beach house at some donor's gated estate or napping at Camp David for nearly 40 percent, yes, 40 percent of his presidency, is that that level of detachment risks infecting the entire culture. Newsmax host Tom Basile, who's a former member of the Bush administration, goes on to give us some more examples. Situation with Secretary Austin not understanding that his personal life and private life take a back seat to his duties is unfortunately not an isolated incident in the Biden administration. In 2021, in the middle of a massive supply chain crisis that was impacting inflation and consumer prices, Secretary of Transportation and left-wing wunderkin Pete Buttigieg went on paternity leave. This question about whether uh, men, parents, uh, women, should have paternity and maternity leave? And the answer is absolutely yes. In our view, that is the policy of this administration. No, no, they don't. Cabinet secretaries don't get paternity leave. Maybe to virtue signal to liberal soccer moms they do, maybe legally they do in some, some regard. In reality, when Mr. Buttigieg disappeared from his office for weeks to spend time with his baby and his husband, it was also a dereliction of duty. Now, as only the second openly gay cabinet member in history, the Biden DEI White House made every effort to sweep the controversy under the rug. You know, I've been thinking about that old Ronald Reagan quote that comes to mind a lot these days. Some people go to Washington to be someone and some people go to Washington to do something. Now, he may have been referring to elected officials, but the concept applies to cabinet secretaries and appointees as well. Service as an officer of the United States government is an honor that should be reserved for highly motivated, highly qualified individuals willing to sacrifice. That sacrifice means less time with family, significant financial restrictions, long hours, seven-day work weeks, and even placing yourself in physical danger for the sake of the country. And for the party that sees increases in food stamps and welfare checks as a mark of progress, it's perhaps understandable that a sloppy, self-interested work ethic can even reach the highest levels of government service. Great stuff, as always, from Tom Basile, host of America Right Now. That's Saturday mornings, 9 o'clock Eastern. One of the many, many great can't-miss weekend programs on Newsmax. All eyes will obviously be on the Iowa caucuses today and tonight and Capitol Hill today and this week as Republicans look to move forward on impeachments of President Joe Biden, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and with the spending bill or plans to keep the government open. 
as they continue to bicker among themselves. That's the Republicans. And retiring West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin told CBS's Face the Nation Sunday that he's looking at a third-party White House run, but said he thinks you start looking after Super Tuesday to find out what the lay of the land is going to be and that a lot can change in the next two months. It certainly can, so he'll wait and see. Again, Senator Joe Manchin on CBS's Face the Nation, admitting that he is looking seriously at a third-party run. Stay up to date on all the news, especially today and tonight on Newsmax, which is still available on most major cable systems like AT&T, Comcast, Xfinity, Fios, Spectrum, Cox Cable, and many others. And be sure you're signed up for the new Newsmax Plus. Check out NewsmaxPlus.com. That's NewsmaxPlus.com. Get a free trial. It includes all of your favorite shows like The Balance with Eric Bowling, Rob Schmidt Tonight, Greg Kelly Reports, Greta Van Susteren, Frontline with Carl Higby, Chris Salcedo, and many others. And expert analysis from people like Carrie Lake, Governor Mike Huckabee, former Senator Rick Santorum, Alan Dershowitz, and more. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and keep on! Fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.